Once again, as I said, it's a blessing to be here and preach when Dr. Campbell is away. And I can tell you one thing. In this stage of my life, nothing brings me more joy than helping pastors have breaks. And really, that's a large part of what I do here is help Dr. Campbell rejuvenate and have spiritual refreshment. And I love doing that. So I'm glad to be here. And before I start my next series through the book of Habakkuk, I decided I wanted to preach on the Holy Spirit from the book of John. So please turn your Bibles to John chapter 14. We'll be camping around there. On Jesus' last night on earth with his disciples before he was crucified, he said a statement, a sentence that was both profound and most likely confusing at the moment. He said this to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. It is to your advantage that I go away. Just imagine how the disciples were feeling at this moment. They were worried, distressed, troubled at what was to come. And this is how Jesus responds to that. He says, it is better that I leave than that I should stay. And you might be thinking, really? <laughs> is that true? Is it really better that the person of Jesus went, died and went to heaven? Because if a lot of us were honest, we probably would pick having Jesus with us. And yet, this would be a misunderstanding of the great promises that Christ gives to us regarding his spirit, the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So in this sermon, I want to show to you from Jesus' words on his last night why it is a better thing that he left. And here's my purpose. I want to encourage you, if, if you are a Christian, this spirit who I will be talking about for the next 30 minutes, is living within you. Perhaps you haven't thought about that very much, of what it means to be a Christian. And so I would love for you to grow in thankfulness and knowledge of the blessing you have. And, and perhaps, perhaps you aren't a Christian. And you hear all these things that I'm saying, and you'll think, I want that. I want that spirit. Then it is my hope that you will come to know Jesus this morning and be blessed with his Holy Spirit. Please pray with me before we read God's word. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that you have not left us as orphans on this earth. Lord, you promise that Christ will come again. And until that time, we know that we are not alone. For your spirit dwells in us and is in our midst. Lord, I pray that as we read your word, you may enlighten the eyes of our hearts to help us to behold wonderful things from your word. I ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. We talk about the Holy Spirit a lot in church, especially in this church. We, we mentioned him in the Nicene Creed this morning. One of the last things that we said was, I believe in the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, same thing. The Lord and giver of life. We just sang the doxology. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity. He is God himself, but different from the Son and the Father. Just like the wind, you cannot see the wind, but you can see its effects. It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. 
The Spirit is heavily involved in the ministry of Jesus, if you recall. But Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit more in these chapters than any other time that he was on earth. So we'll be walking through parts of John chapter 14, 15, and 16. We won't be reading the whole thing. It's often called Jesus' farewell discourse. And we'll be spending most of our time paying attention to what does Christ tell us about the Holy Spirit. So in these chapters, Jesus uses one word over and over again to refer to this Holy Spirit. In the Greek, the word is parakletos. It's a compound word, which means in the passive sense, one who is called to someone's aid. Or one who appears on another's behalf. And so while there are a number of ways to translate this word, it really has four main meanings. And these will be the headings of this sermon this morning. You'll find your outline will be helpful as we move through this. We will learn that the Holy Spirit is your helper, your counselor, your advocate, and your comforter. So with that in mind, let's read our first portion of scripture this morning. John chapter 14, so we'll start with verses 15 through 24. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. We will see here in these verses that this Holy Spirit that Jesus promises is your helper. He is your helper. Notice how the ESV translate this in verse 16. He calls it a helper, which is a wonderful translation. And even Jesus himself in the book of 1 John is referred to as a helper. Same word. This is a different word than used to describe Eve in Genesis. It's also a different word that was used to describe the Lord in the Psalms. Where the psalmist cries out, I look to the heavens. I look to the hills from where comes my help. It's a different word. So the Holy Spirit is a unique helper for Christians. And the question you should be thinking about right now is, well, he's our helper. What does he help me with? So first, Jesus shows your need for a helper. You need a helper. So why do you need a helper? Look at, with me again at a few of these verses. Verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 21 says something very similar. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. 
Or even further down in verse 24, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Are you, are you noticing a theme here? Over and over and over again, Jesus is saying the truth that if you really believe in God, it must manifest in a changed life. If you really love the Lord, it must lead to following his commandments. And this is why Jesus mentions the helper. This is why Jesus brings up the Holy Spirit. Be because in, in the same way, you can't drive a car without gasoline. It's not possible. You can't run a computer without electricity. You can't fulfill God's commands without the help of the Holy Spirit. It's not possible. And all of us here, all of you have commands from God that bear upon your life and should guide you. Commands to be gentle fathers, loving husbands, dutiful and serving wives, obedient children, faithful workers, disciplined Christians. All of these commands should guide the way that we live. And yet you cannot say on the one hand, I love God and I love church while ignoring those. You cannot. And yet, God says, you're not in this alone. I will send you a helper to guide you in these ways. There is no way to fulfill God's commands apart from the help of the Holy Spirit. But God, no, Jesus not only shows us that we need a helper, he also promises that our helper is very near to us. Very near to us. Let me read some of the other verses from this passage. Look at verse 16. Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Look at the end of verse 17. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Look at verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Verse 20. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And then later down he says, we will come to the believer and make our home within the believer. Do you notice a theme here? This promise of nearness, of closeness, of presence with the Spirit. Notice what Jesus is not saying. He's not saying, obey my commandments and do a good enough job and then someday the Spirit will be with you to bless you. Notice what Jesus is not saying. He's not saying, shape up as a Christian and once you get to be good enough, you'll be blessed with my presence. That's not what he's saying. Rather, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a blessing that as a Christian you enjoy from the moment you first believed. From the moment you first believed. Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 1, in verses 13 and 14. He says this, In Christ you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee or down payment or surety of your inheritance until we acquire the possession of it to the praise of his glory. Is a down payment given at the end of a transaction when all things are fulfilled? No, the down payment is given at the beginning. Is collateral for an object given at the end when the promises are fulfilled? No, it's given at the beginning. And this is what Paul is talking about. The seal of the promised Holy Spirit 
is a gift that the Father gives to those who believe. And this should bring you so much comfort. The Lord promises that the helping, that the helping Holy Spirit will be with you forever. So on the one hand, God's commands, the weight of that calling is very powerful. And it can feel burdensome. But at the same time, Jesus says, here's my spirit. He will be near you and with you. So it's two quick applications of this. Do you recognize your need for a helper? Do you understand that you need this Holy Spirit that the Lord is talking about? Perhaps a lot of godliness or good things just kind of come naturally to you. Perhaps you sometimes just don't want to have to humble yourself to ask for help. But I want to challenge all of you. We all need the Holy Spirit each and every day of our lives if we want to please the Lord. But for some of you, perhaps you are burdened by the weight of God's commands too much. And I want to, I want to encourage you. Don't forget how near the Lord is to you. If you are a Christian, God himself has made his home within your soul. And the Lord does not leave places where he makes his home. And that's a comfort. So let's move on to the next meaning of this word. Which is that the Holy Spirit is our counselor. The Holy Spirit is first our helper, but he is also our counselor. Read in verses 25 to 31 with me. Jesus continues. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, same word, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away. And I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced. Because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place. So that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you. For the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me. So that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. There's a lot here. We won't be able to cover all of it, but I definitely want to emphasize the fact that the Holy Spirit is your counselor. Speaking of the word counselor, when I was in college, like many college students, I, I was a count, camp counselor for the summer for a camp called Worldview Academy. Um, perhaps many of you, when you were younger, were camp counselors for one time. And as a counselor, first of all, I don't think that I was qualified to answer the questions I got, so... Don't know if the name was worthy, but I got a lot of questions from students. And to be honest, most of the things that I did as a camp counselor was either helping a student understand something that they didn't understand, or telling them for the 10,000th time something that they've already heard. Either teaching them or reminding them. And right here, this is what Jesus says that the Holy Spirit does with us. He both teaches us and he reminds us. So let's, let's look into that first one. The fact that the Holy Spirit teaches you. Now this, this doesn't work the same way as a preacher talking to you audibly. Because the Spirit dwells within you. This is an inward guidance. An inward guidance 
of the Holy Spirit. And also, we have to remember that Jesus was speaking primarily to his disciples. So when he says that the Holy Spirit will teach them, the first application of this is that the apostles wrote the, the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, which is a beautiful thing, and that should give us confidence. But it applies to you as well, because as a Christian, that same Spirit lives within you and will help you to understand God's Word. I heard a humbling story one time about this big-name professor, like top dog scholar in America. And he had a PhD student who was kind of following him around and learning the ropes. And the student asked him, Professor, I'm trying to understand, you know, how does, how does Paul's passage here interact with this other passage? And I'm just really confused. Well, what are your first steps? And the professor looked at him and he says, I go into my room and I get on my knees and I pray. How humbling it is to listen to someone so brilliant and so gifted say, I need the help of the Spirit to teach me. How much more should that apply to us, all of you? And I encourage you, because the Holy Spirit is your teacher, this should encourage you and spurn you on to read your Bible all the more. And not, don't just read your Bible, but ask God for help. Ask God for help. Listen to these two small verses from Psalm 119. I hope these could be little prayer bits that you start your Bible reading with. Psalm 119 verse 18 says this, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Open my eyes that I may obey wondrous things out of your law. I'm sure many of you read your Bible consistently. I'm also sure many of you wish that you read your Bible more than you do. No matter where you're at, I encourage you, sit down, close your eyes, and pray to the Holy Spirit. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. It's a beautiful way to start a time with the Lord. Psalm 119 verse 24 says this. It says, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. May that be the perspective that we have. Because even something as simple as reading your Bible can easily become just a check mark as a Christian. I did it for today, now time to get to the real stuff. The scriptures are your counselors. And the Spirit works through them to guide you. So the Spirit doesn't just teach you, the Holy Spirit also reminds you. No doubt as Christians, you've experienced this. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you're in a difficult conversation or you're in a difficult confrontation and you don't really know what to do and then a verse from the Bible comes to your mind right in the moment that you need it. I know that's happened to me. It's a very encouraging moment. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. He reminds us. He brings to mind the words of God when we need them most. I know the disciples needed to hear this. They were about to have a very, very hard 24 hours. They needed to be reminded of Jesus' promises. And so whenever, this is one of the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. It's he is the one who dwells within you and calls to mind God's word when you need it most. A fair question that you might be thinking is, Jack, a lot of things come into my mind all the time. <laughs> How do I know what 
is from the Spirit and what is not from the Spirit? And that's a fair question. That's a really good question. And often this line of thinking can be a little bit of a vicious cycle. Because sometimes it's hard to determine what in your mind is from the Spirit because you don't know God's Word. And sometimes you don't know God's Word because you don't spend time in it. And sometimes you don't spend time in it because you struggle with the faith to make the discipline happen. So I want to encourage you. You can discern your thoughts of what comes from the Spirit and what doesn't by growing your knowledge of God's Word. The Holy Spirit will never bring something to your mind that is not in full accords with the Bible. Not in full accords with the Bible. And this should lead you to the conviction that reading your Bible as a Christian, systematically, diligently, daily, is a necessary discipline. I, I know it can be a burdensome one, but it's necessary. There are so many thoughts in this world, so many things to distract us and make us think different things between social media, the news, friends, our own consciences. But when you read the scriptures, you are giving the spirit wonderful ammunition to work with. To help those battles in your minds. And this is what Paul talks about when he says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Bathe your thoughts in the word of God so that the Holy Spirit can counsel you, can remind you. I've heard so many people attribute the things that come from their head to the spirit of God. And yet, the one way to truly discern is to ask the question, is this found in the Bible and is it taught in the Bible? So, the Holy Spirit is both our helper and our counselor. We'll see in this next passage. The Holy Spirit is also your advocate. The Holy Spirit is your advocate. Skip to the end of John chapter 15 with me, starting in verse 26. We'll read from 1526 to 16, verse 4. But when the Helper comes, same word, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you will also bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. So this word here, parakletos, translated helper, can also carry some kind of legal connotations to it. I'm sure you all have, in some movie in your life, have seen someone get arrested. And what's the first thing that the officer starts saying to them? He starts saying, you have the right to remain silent, da 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 You have the right to an attorney. Right? That's a right built into our legal system. You have the right to have a lawyer stand before you. You have right to someone represent you in court, give you your best say, advocate for you, testify for you. This word in Jesus' day carried similar legal connotations. So, first of all, we're going to see that the Holy Spirit testifies on your behalf. The Holy Spirit is a faithful advocate who testifies for you and to you. 
And notice how this testi- what, what's the substance of this testimony. Look at verse 26. Jesus says, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, he will bear witness about me. The substance of the Holy Spirit's testimony is not how good of a person you are. It's not positive thinking strategies. The substance of the Holy Spirit's testimony is concerning the person and work of Jesus Christ. And Paul talks about this. I'm going to read a short passage for us from Romans chapter 8, which speaks about this same thing. This inward working of the Holy Spirit, which helps to convince us that we belong to God. Listen to Romans 8, verses 14 through 17. Paul says, All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness, testifies, with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Do you get what this is saying? This is saying that in those moments of hardship where Christians are battered by a sinful, broken world, by loss of friendships, a terrible job situation, you know, a family that's broken, or battling temptation day in and day out for the same sin for years, the Holy Spirit is the one within you who cries out, you belong to God. The Father has you. So even though outwardly, You may look like one of the most oppressed and depressed people in the world. Inwardly, you are convicted that I belong to the one who made all things. That is what the Holy Spirit does. I'm thinking about Paul when he was in jail in Philippi, which Dr. Campbell talked about a few weeks ago. Think of the situation. He went to a city to preach the gospel, trying to do a good thing. He ends up in jail. And what do him and Silas do at midnight together? They sing. Talk about that welling up of the inward testimony and assurance of the Spirit. Of even in the darkest of circumstances, Paul sings God's praises. I just want to encourage you. Perhaps today you are attacked or battered by sin, oppressed by the world, or simply depressed by the circumstances that you see around you. You belong to God. You have all things in him. The spirit joins together with your soul to shout within you, you are a Christian. I love the lyrics of the song we just sang, and a wonderful, merciful savior. It says this, counselor, comforter, keeper, spirit we long to embrace. You offer hope when our hearts have hopelessly lost the way. Oh, we hopelessly lost the way. So on the one hand, the Spirit testifies on your behalf, testifies to you. But There's also another angle to this. Look at the second part in verse 27 of John chapter 15. Jesus says, and you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So the Holy Spirit also emboldens you to testify on God's behalf. This is not a testimony that simply just stays 
stays comfortably in your heart or in your mind. It must bear fruition to speaking about it with others. And so the big question is, what does this look like? What does it look like to testify to the world about the Son of God? A lot of it is the things that you do every day. Live lives of integrity, of honesty, of love and faithfulness, being diligent with your church, which I love this church, and I think we do a great job at that. Thank you. I've lived in this town for over seven years now, and the people of this church have a wonderful reputation. And I'm thankful for that. That is a testimony to Jesus. And yet, it goes a step further than that. This testification of Christ means also growing in the boldness to talk about your faith with other people. Necessarily, that's what it means. And friends, we all have work to do there. I have work to do there. Perhaps you have a neighbor that's on your mind a lot. And you wonder whether or not he goes to church. Perhaps there is a family member that you know is lost and you feel that conviction of needing to speak with them. Perhaps there's a longtime friend that you've known for years that you've just never summed up the courage to discuss spiritual things. But I want to encourage you. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say in those moments. It really is not a complicated thing to simply say, friend, Jesus, is, Jesus Christ has changed my life. Can I, can I talk to you about him real quick? doesn't mean you ruin the friendship. It doesn't mean that's all you ever talk about. But it's way less complex than we make it. And yet, it is a terrifying thing. For those of you who have ever been in a situation of witnessing to someone, testifying about Jesus, I think I tremble more in those moments than any other moment in my life, to be honest. And yet, it must come to this point. Just like a well of underground water has to spew to the surface. Or a volcano at some point is going to burst. It's the same way with a Christian. This goodness of salvation that is within you is too good to just stay within you. It must burst forth. We can so often get so busy and distracted by our routine and our life and our work that we forget. One of the main reasons the Lord gave us his spirit is so that the mission of Jesus will continue through this world. And one conflicting thought that I've had when preparing this sermon is perhaps the reason this church has not grown to the extent that I want it to is because I have not shared the good news of Jesus to the extent that I should. That's a convicting thought. I'm not saying everyone needs to run down the street right now and start evangelizing to every person. But I am saying God gives every single one of you beautiful opportunities. And we should pray for them. So the Holy Spirit is our advocate. He's in your corner in those moments. You might leave feeling like an idiot, but you will never regret it. You will never regret it. I pray deeply that I would grow in a longing to testify about Christ, and I pray the same for you all. So lastly, our Holy Spirit is our helper, our counselor, our advocate. And finally, he is our comforter. He is our comforter. Another meaning of this word. Read with me in John 16, verses 5 through 15. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. 
Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. We see here the subject of the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He is our comforter. And this is a theme that is laced through the entirety of the Bible. A deep and profound feeling and assurance of safety and protection, no matter what's going on around you. Like, like Daniel in the midst of the lion then, or Paul earlier that I mentioned when he was in jail. It's the Comfort is the thought process that says, I know that my heavenly father put me right here. So we'll see that the Holy Spirit applies this comfort in a twofold pattern. First of all, the Holy Spirit comforts through conviction. The Holy Spirit comforts through conviction. It might seem a little counterintuitive, but that's how the Holy Spirit works. Because friends, the greatest problem in your life is not money. It's not relational issues. It's not your marriage. It's not health. It's not your grades. It's not what's going to happen in the future. Your greatest problem in this world is your sin. Both for the unbeliever and the believer. And this is why the Holy Spirit as comforter who convicts is necessary. Because we all need reminding of this every day. We need someone who loves us enough to convict us. Reprove us. Proverbs 27.6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Of a friend. How much more is this true spiritually? We can recognize that something is wrong all the time, but only the Holy Spirit can mold your heart and soften your hard heart to make you realize that sin is as bad as it really is. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And look at these verses. Beginning in verse 8, Jesus says, When he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. So the Holy Spirit guides you to weep over sin. He guides you to pursue righteousness. And he helps you to grasp that this world is going to end someday. And Jesus will return to judge. And notice what Jesus says. He, says, he doesn't say the Spirit is going to do this for the church. I think that's implied. He says the Spirit is doing this for the world. And guess what? You were one point a part of the world. And the Holy Spirit convicted you. You heard the words of God or you read them. And then instead of just being words on a page, it grabbed your soul. Right? And you felt it. That you need a Savior. 
Those instances are incredibly painful, and yet, such a large blessing. The Holy Spirit comforts through conviction. But also, in the second part, verses 12 through 15, the Holy Spirit comforts through declaration. The Holy Spirit comforts through declaration. Let me read verses 14 through 15 again. Jesus says, He, the Spirit, will glorify me. How? He will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. That is such a profound statement. All that the Heavenly Father has belongs to his Son. And all that the Son has is declared and promised to you through the Spirit. Have you ever thought about that? Romans 8, verses 32 says something very similar. It says... He, God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how much more will he not graciously give you all things? Christian, there is nothing you can lose in this life that will not be completely outshined by the glories of what you will receive in the next. And that is a promise. This fight in this life is worth it. And especially for our congregation this morning, many, I know many of us, have been struggling with illnesses and infirmities and surgeries or friends and family who are being burdened by these things. Do you realize how much good news this is? Even right now in your present state, all things that belong to Jesus are promised to you through the gospel. This should change the way that we interact with the things of this world. It doesn't mean that we don't care for them, but it does change your perspective. That someday, possibly after we're gone, we will rise again. We will be with our Savior. And we will rule and reign over this universe with Christ in perfect harmony. That's a wonderful truth. And the Holy Spirit is key for you understanding this. He declares in your soul, you belong to God. All things are yours. You have God himself. So as I close, I want to answer the question I started at the beginning. Why is it better that Jesus Christ left? It is better because Jesus can only be in one place. He has a real body like you and I. That's how much he condescended. However, the Holy Spirit can be everywhere. In every single one of his children. Encouraging and guiding every single one of us simultaneously. simultaneously. That is why it is better. In the Holy Spirit, you have an ever-present helper, an infinitely wise counselor, a faithful advocate, and a gentle comforter. Christian, do you realize this blessing? Perhaps you need to repent of not being as appreciative of the Holy Spirit as you should. And also, if the Holy Spirit is as wonderful as a gift as Jesus says, should we not talk about him more? But for some of you who, he, who are here, perhaps you don't believe in Christ. And I ask you, do you want this spirit? Do you long for this comforting, constant, eternal presence? If you do, ask Jesus for him. Pray to Christ in these moments following the sermon. Jesus, I need a savior. Jesus, I need your spirit. I believe that you died for me. 
and love me. This Holy Spirit cannot be bought. This Holy Spirit cannot be earned. But this Holy Spirit can also never be lost. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the encouragement and the conviction of your word. Lord, your Holy Spirit is such a wonderful gift, and yet it is a wonderful gift that so often goes unsung in our hearts and our prayers. Lord, I pray that because of this word, we would contemplate, ruminate, think about, and talk to other people about the gift of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. And I pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.